Our scripture passage today is the 27th chapter of Genesis. It is a long chapter. It has 46 verses. So let us stand for the reading of the word of God. Genesis 27. Now it came about when Isaac was old and his eyes were too dim to see that he called his older son Esau and said to him, My son, and he said to him, Here I am. And Isaac said, Behold, now I am old, and I do not know the day of my death. Now then, please take your gear, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and prepare a savory dish for me such as I love. <coughs> And bring it to me that I may eat, so that my soul may bless you before I die. And Rebekah was listening while Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game to bring home, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Behold, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, saying, Bring me some game and prepare a savory dish for me that I may eat and bless you. In the presence of the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, listen to me as I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me two choice kids from there, that I may prepare them as a savory dish for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall bring it to your father, that he may eat, so that he may bless you before his death. And Jacob answered his mother, Rebekah, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man. And I'm a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, then I shall be as a deceiver in his sight. And I shall bring upon myself a curse and not a blessing. And his mother said to him, Your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her elder son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. Then she put the skins of the kids on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. So also she also gave the savory food and the bread, which she had made, to her son Jacob. Then he came to his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Get up, please, sit and eat of my game, that you may bless me. And Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord your God caused it to happen to me. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please please come close, that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob came close to Isaac his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him, because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. 
And he said, are you really my son Esau? And he said, I am. So he said, bring it to me that I will eat of my son's game so that I may bless you. And he brought it to him and he ate. He also brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, please come close and kiss me, my son. So he came close and kissed him. When he smelled the smell of his garments, he blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field, which the Lord has blessed. Now may God give you of the dew of heaven, and of the fatness of the earth, and an abundance of grain and new wine. May people serve you, and nations bow down to you. Be master of your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be the one who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. Now it came about as soon as Isaac had finished eating. Jacob had eaten. Jacob had hardly gone out from the presence of Isaac, his brother, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. Then he also made savory food. And brought it to his father, and he said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game, that he may bless me. And Isaac, his father, said to him, Who are you? He said, I'm your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was he then that hunted game and brought it to me? so that I ate of all of it before you came and blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the word of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. And he said, Your brother came deceitfully and has taken away your blessing." And he said, is, it, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and now he's taken away my blessing. And he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? But Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him your master, and all his relatives I have given to him as servants, and with grain and new wine I have sustained him. Now as for you then, what can I do, my son? And Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me also, O my father. So Esau lifted his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fertility of the earth shall be your dwelling, and away from the dew of heaven from above, and by your sword you shall live, and your brother you shall serve. But it shall come about when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. So Esau bore a grudge against Jacob, 
because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. Now when the words of her elder son Esau were reported to Rebekah, she sent and called her younger son Jacob and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau is consoling himself concerning you by planning to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice and arise. Flee to Herod, to my brother Laban, and stay with him a few days until your brother's fury subsides, until your brother's anger against you subsides, and he forgets what you did to him. Then I shall send and get you from there. Why should I be bereaved of you both at one day? And Rebekah said to Isaac, I'm tired of living because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife from the daughters of Heth like these from the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? You may be seated. Familiar story, but not everybody knows what it means. It's one of the most tragic stories in the whole Bible, and yet at the same time, it's one of the most encouraging stories. And there are certain presuppositions you have to make, just like when you read any passage of Scripture. You just don't come to the Bible objectively and think you know what it means simply by reading the words. You've got to ask yourself, what does this mean in context? What is God wanting to say to us in these passages? What has just taken place? Who are the people involved? What do they mean by what they say to each other? And so let's remember some of the things that we've gone over time and again that this passage presupposes before we understand it or else we will greatly misinterpret it. Uh, this Toledoth, this whole, this whole section on the record of Isaiah, the outcome of, of Isaac's life, the story of Jacob, has as its theme that the blessings of salvation and of God's covenant are distributed by a sovereign God in whatever way he will, to whomever he will. Now, if you forget that, this chapter will drive you crazy. You will misunderstand it. So from the first word of this section to the very last, that focuses on Jacob and then secondarily on Esau, I... Remember, it's about the sovereign grace of God. That God is the one who has mercy upon whom he'll have mercy. He'll have compassion on whom he has compassion. And he will harden whom he will. The second thing to bear in mind is that the blessings of the covenant, the promises of God, are distributed according to sovereign grace. Nobody deserves the good things they get from God. And you read this passage of Scripture, remember last week, 
Jacob uh, wasn't the best guy in the world, cheated Esau, and then God turned right around and blessed him and made him filthy rich. Now, what do you do with that? You say God is not just? You say God is not uh, somebody who distinguishes good from evil? Oh, yeah, he does. But it is to say that salvation is not merited. It's not earned. He does not give it to people who deserves it. He gives it to whomsoever he will. And he has determined that he would give all the blessings of salvation and the promises of the covenant to Jacob and not to Esau. Because before they were born, before they had opportunity to do good or evil, God determined that he would love Jacob and hate Esau. Another thing to presuppose, three out of the four main characters in this story are believers. Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob are all believers. They're not perfect, but they are believers. Esau is a reprobate. Esau uh, had no intention and no desire to live in terms of God's promise. And it says that he, he despised the covenant of God. So as we go through this, remember that there's one reprobate who is Esau. And there are three believers, none of them perfect. None of them have perfect faith. And you look at their lives and you think, how in the world can anybody be a Christian that does all this? How can Rebecca be a Christian and talk her son in the line to his daddy? How in the world can Jacob be a Christian and lie so blatantly to his daddy? How can Isaac be a Christian and be so hard on his son Esau so as not to give him any spiritual blessings. How can these people call themselves Christians? Well, I'll ask you and me a question. How do we call ourselves Christians? If people to see all the things that we do, all the wrong decisions that we make, all the uh, foolish choices we make in life, all the times we give ourselves to our desires rather than to obeying God. Don't be so quick to judge because even though we are believers, our faith is not perfect. And even though these three people, Rebecca and Isaac and Jacob, are believers and the Bible identifies them as believers, they are not perfect believers. And that's why God is always putting Isaac, Jacob, the rest of them, through tests. You remember all the tests uh, Abraham went through, including the one of sacrificing his own son. The reason he puts them through tests is not to get them to sin, but to strengthen their faith, to see if they'll believe in God no matter what, to see if they'll love God and believe in him 
and desire him more than the promises that he makes. So I want, be, I want you to be very quick in seeing this passage as a story of three Christians, three people who love the Lord, three people who are believers, but they're not perfect believers. Well, now they are because they're in heaven. But three people who are not perfect, just like you and me. Now, there was one thing that these patriarchs and their wives had a hard time learning. Sarah had a hard time learning it. Abraham had a hard time learning it. Now, Rebecca is having a hard time learning it. And Jacob's having a hard time learning it. And that is, they have a hard time learning that we're saved by grace through faith. And that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know the story. Esau was Isaac's favorite because he was a woodsy guy, hunter. Jacob was Rebecca's favorite because he was a mother's boy. And uh, she wanted her son, she gave him preferential treatment, just like Isaac gave Esau preferential treatment. And so Rebecca overhears Esau and Isaac talking. And Isaac says, Esau, you're such a wonderful hunter. Go out here in the woods and shoot me some animal and make me that stew I love for you to make that's so savory and bring it back to me. I'll eat it and we'll have a good party. I'll give you the rich blessings of the covenant. I'll cause the resources of heaven and earth to be used in your behalf. I'll cause your family to be blessed down through their generations. What's the problem with that? The problem with that is the promise was that the younger would serve the older, that the older would serve the younger. So now when Rebecca hears Isaac say this to the older, I mean to the younger, she says, "Uh uh-oh, we're going to have a problem. Jacob, you're, you're going to lose your blessings. We've got to figure out how to solve this. Because here God says that he's going to give all his blessings to Esau. And I don't want you to miss out on the blessings. And I don't want a God's plan to fail. So you see, here's the first thing. Rebecca has no confidence in the sovereignty of God. She has no confidence in the omnipotence of God. She thinks that man's decisions are more powerful than God's decisions. And man can keep God from accomplishing what God wants to accomplish. And so she works out a plan. She says, Jacob, go out in the woods. Uh, I I, I, I heard this story, so I get mixed up. She said in verse uh, 6, 
Behold, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, saying, Bring me some game and prepare a savory dish for me, that I may eat and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now Rebecca says, Listen to me now. Listen to me, Jacob. Or we're going to ruin all this. And God's not going to get his plans accomplished. I want you to go out to the herds and the flocks. Bring me two choice kid, either goats or lamb. And I'll prepare a savory dish for your daddy. Then you bring it to him. So that he will eat it and bless you before his death and not get all mixed up. Jacob answered his mother, Rebekah, but mother Esau is a hairy man and I'm a smooth man. He's rough and tumble. He's an outdoor guy. I like to make muffins. So how are we going to fool him? Perhaps my father might feel me. And then he'll know that I'm a deceiver. And instead of blessing me, he'll curse me. Because as soon as he blesses, uh, feels my skin, he'll see I'm not the outdoor man that Esau is. Verse 13, but his mother said to him, you, you're cursed beyond me, Jacob. Obey my voice. Just do what I tell you. Go get these uh, baby goats or baby sheep for me. And if anybody's going to be cursed, it's going to be me. I mean, these people are talking in great unbelief and audacity. So in verse 14, he went and got them and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her elder son, which were in the house, and put them on Jacob, the younger son. They had the smell of the outdoors on them. And she put the skins of the kid on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. She also gave the savory food and bread which she had made for her son Jacob. Audacious. She said, I am going to accomplish my will no matter what. It's God that said, I'm going to accomplish my will no matter what. But she didn't believe that. Verse 18, then he came to his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I'm Esau, your firstborn. Great guy, isn't he? This is the man God loved. I'm Esau, your firstborn, taking advantage of his old daddy's blindness. I've done as you told me. So get up, please, and sit and eat of my game, that you may bless me. 
Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have it so quickly, son? He gets blasphemous now. He said, Well, I was able to get the, shoot the, uh, the deer easily, quickly, and make the uh, broth savory quickly because the Lord your God caused it to happen to me. And Isaac said to Jacob, Please come close that I may feel you, my son, whether you're really my son Esau or not. So Jacob came close to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but I can't get around it. The rough hands are the hands of Esau. I got a feeling Isaac thinks something's up. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed Jacob. He said, are you really my son, Jacob? Jacob, whom God loved, said, I am. So he said, bring me the stew. I'll eat of my son's game that I may bless you. He brought it to him and he ate. He also brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Please come close and kiss me, my son. Does that remind you of? Who else kissed somebody? Judas. Verse 26, Then his father Isaac said to him, Please come close and kiss me, my son. So he came close and kissed him. And when he smelled the smell of his garments, he blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Now, Jacob, I know you're really Esau, my favorite. So may God give you the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth an abundance of grain and new wine, may God cause all the resources of creation be used for your benefit, you liar. May people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master of your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be those who curse you. <coughs> And blessed be those who bless you. I pray that the people and the nations of the earth will come under your dominion. That you will be supreme over all the peoples of this earth. That everybody in your family and all the peoples of the earth will bow down under your rule and your supremacy and your dominion. Cursed be those who curse you. 
and blessed be those who bless you. And may you have victory over all of your enemies. That gets you discouraged. You realize he's talking to Jacob. And Jacob has just lied and deceived and blasphemed his old daddy with his mother's help. Does that discourage you? Well, let me tell you something else. It's God that planned out this whole mess. You remember, it's God the one back at the beginning of this whole section that says the older will serve the younger. And that Jacob and his seed will be the seed of God and the church, and from then will come the Messiah of the world. All this is a result of God's sovereignty. You can't complain. You can't say, well, I wish God had, different, had done it differently or in a better way. That's the point of this whole section. It's God that decides who gets what and not man. So he blesses Jacob, thinking it's Esau. So Jacob gets the blessing that God originally said he would deserve, he would get because it's the younger that will be served by the older. So it's working out just like God predestined. Verse 30, now it came about as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and Jacob had hardly gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. Then he also made savory food. I can just say he's so anxious to please his daddy. He's so anxious to give his daddy his favorite meat. So anxious to hear his daddy say, I bless you with all the blessings of heaven and earth. I can just feel how excited he is. And he also made savory food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game that he, you may bless me. And Isaac, his father, said to him, Those words stabbed him like a knife. And he said, I'm your son. I'm your firstborn son. I'm Esau. The one you're going to bless. Then Isaac trembled violently. He knew something was amiss. And he had too much responsibility upon him at this time, point in time to make any mistakes. Because his decisions and his appointments would determine the destiny of mankind. 
though this old blind man trembled violently. He said, Well, who then was he that hunted game and brought it to me so that I ate of all of it before you came and blessed him? Yes, and he shall be blessed. Now remember that phrase. Yes, and he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceeding great and bitter cry that has never been recorded in the history of literature, both sacred or secular. Never been a cry like this cry. And Esau heard the words of his father. He cried out, conceived, with an exceedingly great and bitter cry. Bless me, father. Bless me. He said, your brother came deceitfully and has taken away your blessing." Then he said, Is he not rightly named Jacob, for he has supplanted and deceived me these two times? He took away my birthright, and now he has taken away my blessing. And he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? But Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him your master. And all his relatives I have given to him as servants. And with grain and new wine, I have sustained him. Now, as for you, what can I do, my son? What can I do? Remember that phrase. What can I do? I blessed you. You say, well, Isaac, you could reverse it. Now that you know the truth, you could say, now that I made a mistake, I reverse the blessing and give you the blessing that I said you'd have. He didn't do it. We're going to see why. Going to see the reason he didn't reverse it and couldn't reverse it is he was a man of faith. I saw Esau, verse 38. Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, my father. So Esau lifted his voice. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, go away from the fertility of the earth and away from the dew of heaven. By your sword you'll live, and your brother you shall serve. And it shall come about when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck.
Now, we've got to know something about biblical times that's not true of times today. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob did not have a Bible. They did not have a written word that guided them in the choices they should make. And that would give form and content to their lives. We have 66 books in the Bible. The Bible says that everything is moved along by God's powerful word to accomplish the purposes of mankind. They did have, however, the patriarchs did have an authorized prophetic patriarch who spoke the word of God, and when he spoke the word of God, spoke it with full authority. You remember in the Old Testament, there were all kinds of ways by which God got his word to man in pieces, a voice out of the sky, dreams, visions, prophets. And so Abraham is not speaking here, I mean Isaac is not speaking here as an old man that wants the best for his son. Isaac is speaking here as an uh, official, authoritative interpreter of the word of God. His voice is prophetic. You've seen that before. That when Abraham says something's going to happen or blesses his sons, it's not just wishful thinking. It's a prophecy. And all prophecies come true because they're foreordained by God. And the prophetic word, when it's declared by God's official heralds, shapes history, determines your life, determines how you shall live, determines what happens in the United States. So you can have all the conspiracies you want of everybody in the world trying to overturn the purposes of God, and they are not in control of this world. The socialists, the communists, the humanists, none of those are the moving forces in history. They are all controlled by the Word of God. They do what the Word of God tells them to do. All things are moved along by His powerful Word. Now, don't forget that. Lest you just wring your hands in disappointment when you see everything that's going on today and you say, woe is me, everything is going to hell in the handbasket. They're winning. They're controlling my money. They're controlling my country. They're controlling international affairs. No, they are not. All things are moved along by the powerful word of God.
and it is the Word of God that gives shape to your life and to the future of the United States. What will happen in the United States is what the Word of God says will happen. No matter what Biden or anybody else says happens. It's God's Word that gives content to history. And you see, and it's irreversible. When God speaks, <coughs> it cannot be reversed. It cannot be undone. And you see, that's what Isaac is saying. He's speaking as a man of faith. And Esau begs him for one blessing. One and Isaac says, I have blessed your brother, and he is blessed. Too late. I speak the word of God. I'm the official interpreter of God's word as the patriarch. And so nothing can be reversed. So when you read these words about Isaac, don't read him as somebody who's being hard and calloused. Reading, read him as a man of faith. I have spoken the blessing upon Jacob. I thought I was pronouncing it on Esau. It doesn't matter what I think. I was speaking authoritatively as the voice of God. And this is the way life's going to go. So, Esau cries and cries. I mean, I can hear him. It was many thousands of years ago. He screamed like he did, but I can hear that scream today. one blessing just one year out of hell just one day out of hell now let's go to back to a passage we've read before but I want to read it again turn to the 12th chapter of Hebrews I want you to feel how helpless Esau felt. In Hebrews 12, verse 14, Pursue peace with all men and sanctification, without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. That there be no immoral or godless person like Esau who sold his own birthright for a single meal. For you know that even afterwards when he desired to inherit the blessing he was rejected by God because he found no place for repentance 
even though he sought for that salvation with tears. Cried, born like a baby, I'm sure just heaved, couldn't control his emotions. Please, just one blessing, one little blessing, one little portion of salvation, one little fulfilled promise. Please, and I can see him begging and crying. And he received nothing from God, even though he sought it with tears. But notice one thing it says. He was rejected, for he found no place for repentance. That's the one thing that was missing. Don't feel sorry for, for Esau. Don't feel sorry for him and say, poor old Esau. I mean, Isaac's being real hard on him, isn't he? No, it's Esau that said he despised the covenant. Esau's choice. And Esau wanted good things that God could give him. But he didn't want to have to repent to get them. Now that's so important to remember. What is repentance? Repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of life. Repentance is a turning from whatever kind of life you were living to whatever kind of life God would have you live. Repentance is turning from doing your own will and following your own desires to doing the will of God and following the desires of God above all things. I'm not willing to repent, Daddy. I'll cry. I sure would love to have those blessings and those promises, but I am not willing to deny myself. Repent of my sins. Back when I was in high school, I didn't have a driver's license, so if I had to go somewhere to see Becky or preach at a church, I'd hitchhike. And, of course, I was bigger than anybody that picked me up, so I wasn't worried about getting beat up. And so I got in this car, and we were driving down the road. And I knew I was going to witness to him, but I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to witness to the driver. And I see on the seat between us the little track called Four Spiritual Laws. It's produced by, I won't tell you the name of the organization, but... It's an organization that has crusades on campuses. <laughs> and uh, I decided I was going to let him test himself on me. And so I said, what's that little uh, book there between us? And he said, oh, that tells you how to be saved. I said, well, tell me about it. So he goes very carefully through the four spiritual laws and all that, and I listened very carefully. And After he finished, I said, but uh, I have one question. I've gone to church enough to know 
that there is a word that you have carefully avoided using. And that is the word repentance. When does repentance come into the picture? You told me the four spiritual laws. Now, when does repenting of my sins come into the picture? He said, oh, we don't talk about repentance till we get somebody saved. And Jesus said, I tell you, unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. That you cannot be saved without repentance. So that's my one problem with the four spiritual laws. They don't tell you how to become a Christian. They tell you to make a decision for Jesus. But they don't tell you one word about repentance. Esau wanted salvation. Wanted all the wonderful things that God had promised. Wanted him so badly that he cried and cried and screamed and bawled because he wanted him so much. But God rejected him because he did not come to God with repentance. Is that you? Are you one of you, one of those people? And the church is full of them today. They want the blessings of salvation. They want the forgiveness of sins. They want all the good things that go with being a Christian. And they'll get real emotional about it. But they have no room for repentance. And so God rejects them. I love myself too much. I'm not going to repent. If that's what it takes to be saved, I'm lost. I am not going to repent. I'm not going to give up myself. So let's go back now. So Isaac is speaking not as a father, but it is a, a, a authoritative, prophetic representative of the voice of God. I want to read to you something by John Calvin. I don't normally read things, but this is too good not to read. He's talking about this passage. It's one of the most powerful things I've ever read. Listen. The declaration of God, I have blessed him and he shall be blessed. Can't be reversed. The declaration, I have blessed him, yea, and he shall be blessed, was the effect of a rare and precious faith. For he, Isaac, renouncing the affections of the flesh, I'm sure as a father he wanted to do something, 
renouncing the affections, the fatherly affections of the flesh, now Isaac yields himself entirely to God, no matter what he as a father wants. And acknowledging God as the author of the blessing which he had uttered, ascribes due glory to him in not daring to retract it. Benefit of this doctrine pertains to the whole church in order that we may certainly know that whatever the heralds of the gospel promise to us by the command of God be effective. Because those heralds do not speak as private men, but as by the command of God himself. And the infirmity and the weakness of the preacher does not destroy the faithfulness, power, and effectiveness of God's word. Give me something, Daddy. Just give me something. I can't. I have spoken the word of God. And it stands. And Jacob stands blessed. So it's a fearful thing to hear those authorized heralds of God's word to speak the word of God. Because when they faithfully speak that word, that word gives shape and form to the lives of everybody in that room whether they like it or not. And once God's word is spoken, it can't be changed. Got to quit, but I got a lot more to say. Let me just finish with this. Notice in this chapter, Everybody turns out to be a loser. Unbelief makes person a loser, even a Christian. Rebecca, what'd she lose? She lost her son Esau that was chased out in the wilderness. What did Esau lose? Everything. What did Jacob lose? He was forced to leave the promised land and to be a wanderer out in the wilderness. That's interesting. Because Jacob was the real heir of promised land. And in chasing him off into the wilderness, the only way he could get that land now is asking for it. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. No tricks, no deception, no trying to fool your daddy. How are you supposed to get the promise? Ask God.
Isaac, why did he lose? He lost his favorite son. Jacob, Jacob, because of this one act, has been judged to this very day as a deceiver and a liar and a good-for-nothing trickster that nobody should trust. What did he lose? He lost his reputation. I mean, Jacob was a Christian. This isn't everything he did in life. Because of this one thing, he lost his reputation. So you see, unbelief makes a man or a woman a loser even in the Christian life. So be sure that when God brings those tests into your life, to see whether or not you'll obey Him when it's hard to obey Him. See whether or not you want God more than you want the gifts that He gives. God brings those tests into your life. Remember what God's doing. He's not trying to drive you away. He's trying to strengthen your faith and strengthen repentance. So, there's no such thing as a cheap salvation. Easy believism. That's what people believe today. It's easy to become a Christian. You just ask Jesus into your heart. You just tell him you want to become a Christian. You make a decision for Jesus, and you're in. No, you're not. That's one of the most well-loved lies of the 20th century. Faith is resting upon God alone, trusting in God even when it's hard to trust him, believing that God alone has the authority to determine who's saved and who's not. Faith is committing your life to God and saying, Lord, here I am. I trust you. You do to me and with me and through me whatever you want. No more tricks. No more scheming. No more trying to outsmart you. I know that everything depends upon your sovereign, unmerited grace. I believe that, and I lay my life at your feet, praying, Lord, take me and do with me what you will. It's not an easy passage to read, but it is the truth. Let's pray.